and welcome into another edition of our brand new show, Beyond the Walls. We're engaging Christians to reach the world with the gospel outside of the four walls of your church. Justin Hall here with Palmetto Family Matters Network. So glad you're joining us. We're joined by Pastor Eric Estep, Village Church at Blythewood. They've also got a, a separate campus right over here on Park Street in downtown Columbia. Pastor, so glad you're joining us here on Beyond the Walls. Well, I am glad to be with you guys. I sure appreciate uh, you being willing to talk with me. So I'm of looking course. forward to it. Of course. And of course, as you guys have heard plenty of times now uh, from our other show and on the ones that we've released of this one, this is not a, necessarily a show about specific political issues. If, if you want that kind of conversation, feel free to click on to another episode of the Palmetto Family Matters show. We've got all that for you. This show specifically is we're going to be talking to pastors and ministry leaders from around the state and around the country about how we as Christians can, and I'll tag a phrase from one of my favorite teachers, is uh, we can become better Christians and reach people with the gospel. And, and Pastor Estep, we, we've got you on here. Um, I, I guess the first question I've got for you is how can Christians influence the culture? Because some people in the church might kind of balk at that statement. We want to be separate from the culture. We don't really need to worry about it. How can Christians engage and influence the culture currently in, in our country? Yeah, you know, I think that's it. I mean, it's a, it's an interesting question uh, because I think that I know for me, typically in the past, I've I've always looked at that as meaning uh, that there's just sort of something separate about being an influence in culture for a Christian. And I think as I've uh, kind of maybe gotten a little bit older, and especially in just what we've kind of gone through in the last few years, I'm start, I've I've sort of changed my uh, my philosophy or my thought on on a changing culture, really what I think it comes down to. Um, and maybe this, maybe I'm wrong. I don't think so, but is just live your life and you live your life according to scripture, what God's word says. And that, and if we really do that, that influences every area of life for us. It influences your family. It influences the way you treat people, uh, influences what you say to people. And so I really don't think that there's really a whole lot that you do separately, you know, just by being a Christian. Uh, it's that you just live out your faith. You take God's word seriously and then put it into practice. And so, I mean, that's kind of a general answer. But I was thinking, you know, we used to come up with all these different programs and these different plans and talking points with people. I think it really just, it seems really kind of staged or or canned, and I'm not against staged and canned things in some situations. But if we're going to be genuine, you you impact you impact where you live by just being you and living for Jesus. And I mean, we're talking about influencing a culture, and I think what we're seeing and what Christians are really having to grapple with, and I think uh, Eric Metaxas talks about this in, in a little bit in his in his book, Letters to the American Church, he's talked about this at multiple times where I've heard him. Others have talked about this, other Christians who are in sort of the everyday political fight, so to speak, as we deal with the culture wars, as they like to call them. Mm -hmm. uh, it really has become very obvious that the family is under attack. And we're, when, when we say that, that's an all-encompassing statement. Um, the uh, the design of marriage, how God designed marriage to function as the basic political order of society. That's the first thing that he established was man and woman in marriage together. Now we have 
children being uh, pursued by an ideology that could could very well wreck their entire lives and their well-being. Influencing the culture, you mentioned it really does start in your own home, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, if, if it starts in your own home, then it is because uh, that's what people are going to look at. They, people are really smart. Uh, you know, I think in, uh, they kind of know when you're being legitimate or not. And if they look into your home and they don't see consistency there, it's going to be really hard for them to receive your message. When So we've kind of touched on this a little bit. We, we deal with topics and, and you've talked about these at, at different times, of course, and, and, and we have as well here on our programs. We have issues such as abortion, as the LGBTQ push, but then foreign and domestic diplomacy and tax policy. All of these things are considered political. And in an effort to do that, we've seen a a made up constitutional push of there's a separation of church and state. So you can't talk about these things from a place of faith. People have. Uh, we have current senators and congressmen who have said, you know, well, my faith tells me one thing, but when I'm in my political office, I have to act a different way and I have to view this differently. Um, how do you approach that distinction as a pastor saying, you know, these, yes, they are hot button political topics, but at the end of the day, abortion, the LGBTQ push, even tax policy, these are moral issues that the Bible speaks to. How do you draw that distinction and, and walk that line and knowing you've got to press in on some of these. Yeah, that is, uh, yeah, man, that's such a, you know, I, you mentioned one of my favorite books that I've read recently, which is Metaxas's book, The Letter to the American Church. And uh, I encourage anybody, if you've not read that book, to get that book. It was, uh, man, a great eye-opener. It was very convicting to me. And uh, so there's a couple of things that I think are are interesting um, and just maybe just a little bit different way to look at it, because you're right. The whole issue of the separation between church and state. Of course, if you have done any wall builder stuff, David Barton, um, you are kind of challenged with that whole viewpoint. But I have a couple of questions. One is, OK, so the people say you can't talk politics in the church. Um, and I do. I understand we are there. We're there for Jesus. We're not there as Democrats and Republicans. But I will say this, and, and I here's my question that when people say, have said that, and I say, why? Mm. Um, and I think it's a good question. We don't need to be automatically intimidated and on the defensive. Uh, but ask the question, you, you know, you can't speak about this particular issue. Well, who says? Right. Um, last time I checked, we lived in America. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to speak about whatever God puts on my heart. Um, and if we always say that all of life is is a part of God's domain. Every bit of it is. So would that include politics? Mm. Am I, yeah, absolutely it would. And then you talk about moral issues. You're right. All those things that you mentioned, they are moral, they are moral issues. And the church, I think where we've gotten in trouble and I'm, I mean, I'm speaking for myself and, and for our church where we have, where we need to do a better job and we're trying to make steps to do that is we need to stand up and speak and speak truth and speak what God's word says. Whenever it comes to LGBT, it's we always make these little distinctions. I know that there are some of us have family members here and we don't want to offend anybody because uh, we all have all been impacted by, by people in our family who are gay. We love you and all those things. And so we always make, it's just sin is sin. And, and we need to speak on that. We need to tell people the truth because we've not spoken for so long. We are in the position 
uh, where we are today to where we, we can't even tell the difference between a man and a woman. Right. And, and there are some in, in, the, in the Christian faith and leaders who are not speaking on things that are blatantly against what Genesis 127, God made them male and female. We tend to leave that part out. We just say he, we were made in the image of God. Well, it's and male and female. Right. You know, there's we we didn't chat about this before we before we started rolling here. But I, what you're saying brings up a, an interesting point is that people we're seeing now the 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 need for Christ followers. Cause I, and I want to draw the distinction there uh, we, the term Christian. Yes, I, I, I get that. But there's a reason why they were followers of the way in, in as early as the first century church. And Christian was actually a derogatory term because they were considered a little Christ. It, and so and and of course, I'm speaking to the choir here in this case. Oh, yeah. But but there's a distinction here because there are some that would claim Christian as the title of their religious beliefs that are currently trotting out things that are completely opposite of what you just said. Very popular theologians that would tell you that actually Christ never said a single word about homosexuality, that he never said a word about marriage, that he there are plenty of things that he didn't come out and talk about or or didn't go against. There, there's this view that that Jesus was a um a a socialist hippie refugee trying to fight the man and the political power when in fact i think it's incumbent on christians now because of that to actually read the word and read what god says from genesis 1 1 through the end of the book of revelation and have a strong understanding of just exactly who jesus is because i don't think a lot of people know really who jesus is well, I think, I mean, you're absolutely right. And then my, and, and that's where for me, I said, well, whose fault is that? Mm. And I'd say in general, it's the church. I mean, it's church leadership. And I mean, that's me. Um, and, uh, yeah, and I've heard that a lot, you know, well, Jesus never spoke on homosexuality. And then, but there is a, I, I, there's some great response to that, that I heard some, another pastor mention. And of course it's very, and of course you already know it. You just don't, I don't, I didn't think about it. But uh, he's like, yeah, well, Jesus did not speak on homosexuality. Okay, and I will say this: that is true. But who is Jesus? Well, we believe in the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Spirit. It's three and one. Did God ever speak on it? Uh, yes, He did. Um, there, and I can name many different places where He did. So, is is Jesus God? Yes. Then, did Jesus ever speak on it? The answer to that is, you better believe He did. Right. Right. So and and that is where this leads right into uh, the next question that I've got for you and the next kind of thing that we can sit on for a little bit. W understanding who Jesus is, believing in that uh, that view of the Trinity, that three and one, one and three, they're they're all the same. How important is it for us to have Christ-centered preaching? Because I'll go the other way here. We've kind of talked about sort of the left liberal theology that's there but then there's another side to this and i think it's important that we that we kind of equate the two you've got the one side that recites the sparkle creed if you've seen that video you know what i'm talking about yeah. then you have the other side that is completely different and in fact you mentioned earlier you know when we gather as the church we're not gathering as republicans and democrats we're gathering as 
Christ followers to, to read his word and, and to worship and to study. You have the other side that it's basically a political rally. Right. How important is it for those who claim Christ and those who want to follow him to get plugged into a church that is Christ-centered and biblically-centered in its teaching? Well, that's a softball question. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, it is. I mean, absolutely, it's it's imperative. I right. mean, it. I mean, it's. I mean, what's the point of uh, of church, which is an assembly of believers gathering together for a purpose, mm-hmm. um, which is, of course, to to lift up to lift up God, to read what His Word has to say, to to worship Him. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's incredibly important, and it's important for us as pastors to make sure that we are teaching out of scripture, uh, not, not sharing, um, you know, our opinions. Now opinions can go along, but that'd be backed up with what God's word says. Mm -hmm. So everything rises and falls on God's word. And so, you know, I mean, I'm telling you, I am not, uh, and I, I, I'll just speak for myself. I promise you, I am not worth listening to on Sunday mornings. If I'm just standing up there talking, if you want to hear somebody good, go listen to a comedian, (laughs) um, you know, listen to, if you want to hear good music, Go to a concert. Um, but that's not what the church is for. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I think we need to do everything we can to the best of our ability. But I, people, when people come to church, they are not coming to church to hear me. You know, go, he's so good. He's got just such great. And it's, it's. Um, if I take time, set, we're going to read what God's word says. There are people today, much more so after the whole, whatever you want to call the last three years, the whole debacle that went on. People are hungry for somebody to tell them what the Bible says. They don't care what I say. What does right. the Bible say? It's incredibly important. People are hungry for God's word. Always have been, but I think it's more evident today. And again, it's it's interesting how a little bit of confirmation works. I was listening to a sermon series this, this morning on uh, the Ten Commandments and looking at the Ten Commandments from an interesting angle. And when it comes to how we even put Uh, our church membership or where we go to church, if your church doesn't do membership, where you go to church as as a bit of an idol, as a bit of a means to worship in a way where you go. Where do you go to church? Well, I go to X pastor's church. I go to this pastor's church. And no, no, you you go to that church where that person happens to be the pastor, because I think you would uh, maybe you'll agree with this, Pastor. Uh, Village Church is not necessarily your church. It's God's church, and you've been um, appointed by him to shepherd that flock. Wouldn't you agree with that statement? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, absolutely. Everything's, it's, it's God's church. You yeah. know, I want it to be God's church, um, right. but I am a part of the body. So in, in yeah. one sense, I do identify as in, it isn't my church. It is my church mm-hmm. uh, along with other people in our church. It's their church. Exactly. Part, But it's, it's a part of, we're a part of the body of Christ. It's his, um, right. if it's not his, then it has no power. And so when you're, you, you get up on a Sunday morning, and if you're anything like my father-in-law, you're up early on a Sunday morning and you're uh, by by the time you hit about two o'clock, you're kind of zapped. So you get up on a Sunday morning and you got your last minute sermon prep and then, the you know, you're greeting people as they come in and all church happens on Sunday morning and, and you teach and you, you give an altar call and everyone. All right, we're done. And everyone leaves. And, you know, they're they're going out to lunch together or, you know, trying to beat the other folks who are getting out of church at the same time how how much how how much how important is another softball for you how important is it for folks just to not put the book away for a week 
and then pull it out again on Sunday morning when they got to go back to church. Yeah. And not only be in that word and, and be studying who God is and what his plan is for their life, but also being willing to Monday through Saturday share that same message that's being shared with them on a Sunday morning. Yeah. What is it? Uh, like enter to worship, depart to serve. Um, mm-hmm. you know, that's been around forever. And yeah, it's, um, you know, the, the reading of God's word, the worshiping, uh, that, that is something that, you know, I always, as a matter of fact, just a few weeks ago, I said that Sunday mornings in a lot of ways, it's like a huddle in football and then, but you have to break the huddle mm-hmm. and you break the huddle for a purpose to go run the play. And, uh, and then, so you huddle and then you go out and you run the play and the goal is to advance the ball, you know, to, to score. And that's what Monday through Saturday is, you know, we're, we're trying to advance the ball. So I feel like it's a part of our responsibility in church leadership and people could do it on their own as well, but we have to provide uh, those places where, okay, if we're going to advance the ball, okay, so you give me the play. Now I need to know where to go. Um, I, what route do I run? Um, you know, who do I block? We, you know, whatever, uh, it, it might be. And so at the church, um, at, at our church, so there's some things we've set up just as some some basic things that we do throughout the week so that people can engage and be involved. And so, matter of fact, we just had um, our middle school camp. Um, Mitch Prosser's son was there. I sat next nice. to him. Um, so we just had That's middle school camp. Fame. Yeah, that is. That's right. Yeah, Ethan's the, the man. But the uh, um, I'm always amazed that we have we have all these you know, uh, volunteer sponsors or uh, chaperones that are there. It's like 25 of them this week. Next week, it's going to be another 25. These are people that they took off work, you know, to go, to go invest in these, in these students. Um, I, so that's, that's one way. And so we, and of course we have regular Bible study and worship for, for the, uh, for the students. Um, other things we do, we have a, we have a service ministry in our schools where when they're in session, we do child evangelism fellowship. We do FCA. Uh, we do, uh, we feed football teams. We run, we run first down markers for the local high school football teams in our area. So they don't have to pay for it. Um, you know, anyway, there's a lot of different things. So it's avenues where it's like, we have things that are set up. We don't just tell people, Hey, you need to go do something. And that's it. Um, we want to help. And so now what's happened is there's other people who are like, okay, I see this, we're doing this, but now they're starting to engage in some things on their own. And we actually had a lady in our church, uh, in our school board um, elections. Well, she felt convicted. And so she got together school board members, guys that were running for school board, and she rented out uh, a facility in our town and candidates that she said, I think these are candidates that are, that are people that say they follow God. Let's bring them in, listen to what they have to say. We can ask them questions. Um, and so, gosh, there's yeah, probably a couple hundred people showed up. Wow. And uh, so that was, so we had, now we have a civics team that's involved in our church. Um, so there's just a lot, there's, there's just a lot of different ways, but that's all born out of what happens on Sunday. Right. We've been preaching forever. We have to engage where people are. And now there's people are going out and they're like, okay, these are ways that my faith can impact the people that I live around. And that's what we're talking about, impacting and engaging the people we live around, the people we work around, because I would hesitate to think that someone that I sit next to in an office cubicle, if those still exist for 20 years, would never know that I'm a Christian where I mean, 
where's the where's the testimony? Where's the where's the trying to reach them at all if they never know? If they never even know. And so we need to be acting this out outside of the four walls of the church. So Pastor Estep, obviously a village church. Tell us a little bit more about village, how people can where where you are, how people can get connected, service times, website. Give us the give us that canned spiel if you've got it. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, we are. Uh, we're in. We're in Blythewood. Um, uh, Village Church is in Blythewood at five seventy four Rymer Pond Road, and then we're also uh, on Park Street and uh, in in downtown Columbia as well. So you can just go to our website. It's uh, blythewoodvillage.com, and it has both of our campuses. Their addresses on there. Service times. We in in Blythewood. Our services uh, uh, nine o'clock and ten thirty. On Sundays and then at Park Street, it's at 1030. Nice, nice. And again, if you want to get connected, that's that's the place to do it, Blythewood Village. Pastor Estep, thank you so much for joining us uh, for another edition of Beyond the Walls. Pleasure talking to you. And hopefully folks are going to get engaged if you don't have a church home and you're in the Blythewood area or you're in the area here close to Park Street. Definitely get engaged and, and find a church home and get under some... Christ-filled leadership and some teaching. So, Pastor, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. Thank you.